listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in today. It's part three of um, relationships that don't make you want to slap someone. Relationships that don't make you want to slap someone. Uh, The first day we dealt with knowing your God, know your God. You cannot be in successful relationships if you don't know who you are in Christ. Secondly, we talked yesterday about knowing yourself. That's the first thing, that after you know your God, you've got to know yourself, you've got to be introspective, you've got to stay humble, and you've got to be able to see where you need to make changes in order to be uh, more efficient in any relationship with anybody. It's not just a husband or wife, it's not just uh, children. It could be your boss, coworkers. It could be people at your church, your pastor. You've got to be able to uh, look in, in, into yourself and say, okay, if I compare my life to the word of God, where do I need to make changes? Where, this is a mirror. When I look into it, what do I see that doesn't line up with the standard of God's word and how can I change it? That's the question. But obviously it takes humility to do that. It takes uh, awareness to do that. And uh, obviously that's going to be something that every Christian needs to employ. Humility is huge because God resists or opposes the proud, but he gives more grace or favor to the humble. So when you humble humble yourself, you put yourself in a place of humility, it allows you to uh, look inside, become aware, and, and make these changes ahead of time. But today... Carol and I are going to deal with um, knowing the other person in the relationship, which is massive. Yep. Uh, and I know we'll be going through the five love languages, which really are so important. And I never, I never really, sorry, grabbing my mic. I never really knew how important they were. I would think until I got married. No one just, no one ever really told me about the book or like introduced it to me. Which it's helpful to read it and understand it before you get married. Yeah. Um, but. Knowing the five is a, is a game changer really for any relationship. Yeah, it is. Any friendship, knowing, you know, who you surround yourself with and, and, and what, how they deal and what they, you know, receive. How they receive love and how they feel appreciated. Yeah, it, it really is a game changer for any relationship, any work relationship, anything with your boss, yeah. anything with your spouse, friends, even family. Yeah. It, it, it's a game changer in how things are approached and how you handle certain situations. We're going to show it to you from another side that maybe you've never seen before. I love it. Yeah. I mean, if you, you may have read the book, you may know about the book, you may know about the five, but we're going to show you something today about the five that ties into scripture and ties into your relationship with God and God's relationship back to you. This is huge because if you don't realize it, All five of these things are scripturally based. And remember, we are created in the likeness and in the image of God. So we're created to be like him. So it's not surprising that these things relate to how we deal with God and how he deals with us as well. It's really how every, every, like when we go through them, it's really how he acted. Right, exactly right. And still acts. 
Exactly and, and right. Still, and that's still how he operates. And that's why it's so beneficial, because if you're truly created in the likeness and the image of God, and this is his nature, then you start to realize that I've got to employ these things in order to love like God, to love like Christ. And so we'll break them down. And even if you've read the book, you've probably not heard this standpoint because of the fact uh, it really is immersed in God's word. And uh, I'm going to show you three things with Carolyn. Number one, how God uses it. Number two, how we use it back toward God. And then finally, how we use it towards others in our lives and how it benefits your relationship. This is truly how to have the most healthy and productive relationships with anyone. It doesn't matter who. They, you know, I didn't... I didn't read the one that you read on this, but it's pretty much the same. They make one for kids. Okay. Which is really helpful. You read that one? I read that one. I have that one that by my bed that I read because, you know, when you start adding more than one child, this still pertains to their personality. Absolutely. And, and every child's different in what they want and what they receive and how they communicate. And mm-hmm. so that's where it was a game changer for me because and, and really, it said pretty much the same stuff that the adult one does. It just, just pertains to child. It towards kids and you, the, diff- a few different things, but it was the same. You know, it really helped me understand the difference because, like, our kids are the same in a lot of I ways. I can't believe how different they different. are. Yeah. That's what's mind-blowing to me is when, if you have multiple children, those of you watching, it's mind-blowing that they all grew up in the same home, but they're so different from one another in different ways. And that's what blows my mind. Like, Madeline... And Brooklyn are, you know, both of our daughters so different from each other in so many different ways. And uh, it's, it's just wild. And I know some of that is firstborn, middleborn, lastborn, whatever, all that stuff. But also just the personality types, what they like, you know, all these different things. And uh, how, they, how they feel loved, all, all those kinds of things. We'll deal with that. And then Teddy came and he's totally different than the girls are. And it's just, it's, it's really, it's wild. So... We're, um, we're going we're gonna to deal with those things and explain to you because obviously we want our relationships to be as healthy and as productive as possible. We want to love like God loves. Yeah. We want to experience uh, love, the love of Christ, not only in our lives, but show it to others. And uh, it's a testimony. It's a witness of God's goodness mm-hmm. when you love that way. Um, I will say, though, before we get, get into any of these, let's deal with one thing. That is, that's not one of the five love languages, but I feel is extremely important in relationships. uh, And that is boundaries. I think boundaries are so important when you're dealing with, because let's say this happens. We've seen this. I know. He doesn't let me touch his stuff. He drew a line in our room. We have a line, a black line that I took with marker on our bed. (laughs) Sheets. Don't come on my side. That's my pillow. That's, those are my covers. No, but, but how, how many, it, let's say we deal with somebody who has an insecure personality, or let's say you deal with somebody who has a very low view of themselves, right? They will actually allow people to treat them in a way that is very, very unhealthy right. because of the view they have of themselves, which is I'm nothing anyway. Right. And so what happens is, uh, they get into relationships that become unhealthy and abusive 
because that's their expectation. Well, I am a nothing, so I should be treated like a nothing. Whereas once, like go back to part one, if you understand that part one, we talked about who you are in Christ. Once you understand who you are in Christ, what do we say it does? Changes your whole identity. And you start to realize I'm not worthless. I'm priceless. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody. And when you get that right, who you are in Christ, then you stop having that mindset because your identity's changed. But then in order to break it, you have to set boundaries. You don't let people speak to you any way they want to. You don't let people do anything that they want to do. Uh, you set those boundaries and they're healthy. Those are healthy things to have in your life. Like we, we've talked about this on the podcast together. What about people who get married, but then the in-laws are super intrusive yeah. into the relationship, but it's because they've never set boundaries with their in-laws and said like, Hey, this is our house. Yeah. You know, we're going to raise our kids the way we see people fit. always get the lines blurred up with honoring your parents or respecting your parents Mm -hmm. and the whole, this is your marriage situation. And so, you know, the Bible says when the two become one, that's it. No one, no one else is invited in that one. And you're going to have to set the boundaries and set that in a marriage. Um, and, and you, you, you know, people who think confrontation is always like a, a blowout situation, but it's not. It's just a sit down and talk to, and it could just be like, hey, you know, I, I appreciate your input, or thank you for being concerned, or, you know, uh, but this is something that my, because that's one of the things that people, like women, write me on the most. They're like, well, my in-laws don't like my decision on this. And I always tell them, I'm like, it's, it's not their decision anymore. You're going to have to be bold enough and be like, listen, thank, thanks for your concern. Thanks for your opinion. But this is the way that God's instructed our family to run or my husband has made a decision on this and this is what I'm sticking with because, ladies, at the, at the end of the day, you have to agree with your husband m- over anybody else. You, your mom's not running you anymore. Your dad's not running you anymore. Your grandma, you know, whoever has raised your aunt and uncle. And so you have to set that boundary and you can let people know in a nice way, thanks, but this is how it's going to be. And, and we've kind of done that. We have great parents on both sides. We have wonderful, you know, anointed parents. But at the same time, we've always said, you know, if they want to suggest something, that's fine. But what has God spoken to us? What decisions are we going to make? What direction are we going? Because we had to have those boundaries, no matter how wonderful our parents are. Th- God's put us together, and this is a new family unit. Well, because you think about it this way. When you get to heaven and stand before the Lord, and you give an account for your life and decisions, he's not, he, you know, if you, if you did something that was displeasing or was wrong or that was, you know, He's not going to say, well, yeah, you know, I know your in-laws suggested that. So I'm giving you a pass. You stand before the Lord. You will give an account for your life. You'll give an account for your children. You'll give an account for what you did. And when you think about it that way, uh, and I, and I love this because if you think about it in a military standpoint, it's like you, you realize if you have a commanding officer, if his team fails to carry out their mission, You know, he, the commanding officer may punish them, but when his higher ups call him in, he takes all the blame. 
Like, you were the one that was supposed to get this team together. You're the one that was supposed to train them. You're the one that was supposed to bring a success to this mission. And you failed as the commanding officer. They're not going to call all the people under him in and speak. The commanding officer has commanding officers. And they're going to speak to him because it was his responsibility to get everybody in, in, in line and make things happen. The same is true in the kingdom of God. And that is the Lord will hold us personally responsible. And... If that's the case, I have to be okay setting those boundaries. And you know, that's the other thing, like you mentioned with people, it doesn't have to be like a fight or a negative thing. It can just be a dinner or a coffee or sit down and be like, Hey, we just wanted to let you know, like, we're kind of going to go this direction. This, this is what we want to see, because here's what, what you'll realize. Those types of healthy boundaries actually will help you in the future from having blowups. Do you know what people have a hard time? Um, with other people being mad at them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants everyone to be okay. Everyone agree with my decisions. Um, I don't, I don't want any, like, I don't want anyone upset. I don't want a family member upset. And I, I, I need to please everyone. The thing is, you're never going to please everybody. You're not. You'll please this person over here. Then a few days later, this person will be upset. Then you're going to move to this person. You're going to try to please them. And then yep. this situation, you're upset. That's right. So you have to focus on only pleasing the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And then, and then you have to be okay with letting the other stuff go. It's true. You have to train yourself. Yeah. You have to train yourself to be okay with, well, uh, this person in my family is upset with me right now because they think I'm making the wrong decision. And then pray for them. Pray for them that the Holy Spirit will work on their heart. Just yep. continue to love them. You don't change. Right. You don't act the way they're acting. You you stay completely grounded and normal about it. But you're going to have to be okay with people not agreeing with you. That's right. And in this society, that's not normal. No, it's, it's not. It's not normal. Everybody needs everybody to love them. Everybody needs everybody to like what they're doing. Everybody needs approval from man. And that's like a game changer when you get that in your mind. Like, I don't need approval from man. I don't need approval from anything society is saying I need to do. I don't need approval from even the closest family member, even like if it's your parents or your in-laws or, you know, whoever, I don't need approval from them. I need to be on the same page as my family unit, my husband, my wife, and God. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, when you think but about... But you train yourself that way. No, that's true. Because it is hard for everybody. It's not like you're just that person that's like, oh, I just don't ever no, care. No, because human nature doesn't go that direction. Human nature hates conflict, hates it, and doesn't want it. Um, Mimi asked a question up a little bit higher, which was, and you don't have to scroll up because I remember what she said, but she said, what if, what if it's your brother? What if it's somebody who's been in drug addiction and in jail and is toxic and dangerous? You don't stop loving them. Obviously you don't stop praying for them. You don't stop reaching out. But again, as your, your family member said, you don't sink your ship to save theirs. You don't sink your ship to save theirs. Very true because at, at, the end of the day, what you'll realize is I can't control other people's actions. I just can't. I wish I could. Then I'd have everybody ready to go to heaven by tonight. But I can't control other people's actions. And you start to realize at some point there's going to be a, a place where you have to cut them off to a certain degree. Not that you ever stop loving them or whatever. Or you're ever there for them if they 
come back around. Right, but you cut you cut them off because you're like you're going down a destructive path that I'm not following. Yeah, I'm not coming with that. Because no matter what, that toxic will bleed into your life. That's right. No, it, it's none. It's just like that whole missionary dating. Like I'm gonna bring the person up, yep. and they're gonna be on fire for Christ. No. I will tell you, like 98% of the time, they're they're bringing you backwards, and then all of a sudden, you're not even living for the Lord. So yeah. the same same concept, it's going to leak into your life. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, it's like, look, Paul did that in the Bible, right? Uh, you know, look at look at how the Apostle Paul uh, dealt with the Corinthians. There was a dude in the Corinthian church who was just didn't care about pleasing the Lord and didn't care about obeying the Word and. Uh, living like the rest of the body. And Paul was like, you know what? If he's going to keep acting like that, let me tell you what to do with that guy. Cut him off, throw him out of the church and turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his soul. Because Paul recognized that like a little uh, leaven can literally destroy the whole lump. You know, that's in the scripture. Destroys the whole lump, leavens the whole lump. So leaven was a representation of sin and Paul said, remove it. So what, what does he teach? What, what does he teach? Yeah, Titus style. That's right. At the end of Titus, he says, if there are any divisions in the church, any of that, give it, remove warn them up. once, warn them twice, and then have nothing more to do with them. And that's the, that's the truth. Which that, always cracks me up. Why pastors keep certain people around. Me too. It's like, read the end of Titus and just move on. Get go get ahead, get it out because just like that example, mm-hmm. the toxic will leak into the lives of other people. And Megan brings up a great point because what if it's your father and mother who the Bible commands you to honor and you have a struggle because you're trying to balance honoring your father and mother, uh, but always keeping your distance because they're living a life that's displeasing to God and they don't care. And there is a, a balance there between continuing to honor them but then also not getting involved with everything they do and not having them uh, to be uh, involved even with, you know, sometimes you have to say no in things regarding your children. You know what I mean? I'm not letting my kids go over to a house where everybody's getting drunk all the time and people are smoking and people are doing, you know, talking doing bad, drugs yeah. and talking, you using foul language all the time and all that. I'm not sub- subjecting my children to that. I'm raising them up in the way they should go. And so it's going to be just a clear distinction. The reason we don't let our children come to your house, now you're welcome to come to our house and visit them. The reason that we don't let them come to your house is because you're all, you got a foul mouth, you're drunk all the time or drinking, you're always smoking, you're smoking weed, whatever it might be. You got people that are over there, nut, people that are nuts. And, and I'm not exposing my children to that. They're and, too and precious. That, and that, to me, doesn't have to be part of the honor thing because my kids are not my parents' kids. I'm my parents' kid. So as long as I'm honoring my parent, my mom, my dad for myself, that's fine. That doesn't have to do with I need to make sure the grandchildren are brought by. That has nothing to do with the honor for me as a parent. As long as I raise my kids to make sure they know what honor is and to honor Ted and I, then they're going to be just all right. Sure. And we're talking about in the context of a a toxic mother-in-law, father-in-law, mother-father. So you, you look at that and you're like, you know, I'm not subjecting my children to that. You know, why, why would I? So it, you lay a boundary down. You either clean up the act or it's going to be this way because I, I'm valuing my children's development over anything else. 
Not, I'm, I don't say, well, I'm, you're the grandparent, so I don't care if you're drunk all the time. And if you're always smoking three packs a day and smoking weed and talking nasty with your friends, I guess I don't care since you're the grandparent. No, I care. I care. Uh, and there's all kinds of situations we could in, get into. Heidi said, what if there's a court custody order but with see, an unsafe that, parent? That's different because it, a parent has a right to their kid. Sure. Unless they're like in the gutter shooting meth up, you know, then you got to protect then them. unsaved means nothing to the world and exactly. court custody. That's exactly. just an unsaved parent that wants rights to see their kids. So, so just suffice to say boundaries have to be created. If you want to do, if you want to look into more of that, uh, Dr. Henry cloud wrote a great book called boundaries. Uh, if you'd like to grab it, grab it. It'll be a great read for you. It'll help you. Um, and it's it, truthfully, it'll give you parameters to set up healthy boundaries for your relationships. And it's a great book uh, and you'll enjoy it. But I want to get into these five things because, and that's the book, you Neil, it's called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, just like it sounds, Henry Cloud. Um, I want to get into these five love languages. We'll quickly put them together. Uh, for those of you that don't know what they are, um, Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Um, I'll list them for you quickly. And his assertion in the book is that people receive love and they give love in very specific ways. So let me break down what that means. Uh, of these five, you may have multiples that make you feel loved, right? Um, but also you may feel like you're loving someone differently then you receive love. So let me read the five love languages quickly and then I'll explain what I mean. Um, number one is the giving of gifts. Sometimes receiving a gift makes someone feel loved. Other times people, it's not a big deal to them. Like receiving a gift, I don't, it's just a gift. I don't feel love that way. Uh, number two is qu spending quality time with somebody. It's the second way. The third is through physical touch, affectionate touch. Four, through words of affirmation. They like to be built up with your words. Uh, and then finally, acts of service. You know, helping them work or helping them do tasks or chores or whatever that might be. Doing something on their behalf. So those are the five that uh, are, are in the book. But I want to break these down because all of these, truthfully, are how God interacted with us. How we interact with him. Can people be all five? You know, or is it I, usually like two out of the five. That I don't know. Are? I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like you could be, but the way that the way that people's personalities lean, so it's um, usually like two out of. It, it, it may it may be not an all or nothing kind of thing. It might be like you know I'm more like eighty percent gifts, but like I only feel about twenty percent love from quality time. You know what I mean? It's like it, it probably isn't an all or nothing thing. It's probably just like I I really feel loved when I have acts of service done for me, like someone folds the laundry, but I, <laughs> what are your two love languages? I know my two quality time. No, no, no. That's not the one I want. Um, physical touch. Okay. Uh, and yours other one is words of affirmation. You're right. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. You actually got it. Um, but after 15 years, praise God. Are you a little um, bit of the other ones? Yeah. Small percentage. I think so. 10%? No, probably more. I mean, I, I am. I am. I am at some point all of them, but the most. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So 
let's deal with how does the Lord, you know, how did he do these towards us? How do we interact with him in the same way? So let's break it down. Number one is gifts. So if you're, uh, actually, if you want to go back and listen to part one, uh, it's all on YouTube. So you can go back to our YouTube channel, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth, uh, junior, and there's a playlist made that's titled this series. So you'll be able to see it and you can listen to part one and two. So number one, put it in the comments. Number one is gifts, gifts. And, uh, it's really interesting because, um, when you look at how God interacted with us, listen to this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, I'm going to read you verses eight through maybe 11 or 12. Listen to this. The Bible says, therefore, it says when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men in saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now look at this verse 11 and he gave, here's the gifts. Are you ready? He gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So notice this, uh, here's one level of gifts that God gave to the church. He gave the gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, the men of God, the women of God that are standing in the body of Christ as spiritual leaders, they are gifts from God. In fact, I want you to put this uh, in the comments, everybody that's watching, my pastor is a gift from God. I want you to put that in the comments section right now. My pastor is a gift from God. Bible says that he is. He's a gift from God. The spiritual leaders that stand in the fivefold office that are in your life are gifts from God. That's right. Put it in the comments. My pastor is a gift from God. And he absolutely is true. Uh, the other thing that I want to deal with quickly that God gave us is the gifts of the spirit. First Corinthians chapter 12. And the Bible tells us, and Paul lists the gifts of the spirit. Dylan, you better write that. Dylan Dross wrote, my pastor is a gift from God. He says, father's his pastor. You better write it. Um, first Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says that, uh, the gifts of the spirit came from God to the church. And so the gifts of the spirit are other gifts from God, the nine gifts of the spirit. And of course you're familiar with those, the, uh, working of miracles, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, uh, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, their gifts to the church. And so look at what God's already done. Jesus was a gift to the church. He created the church. So God shows love through the giving of gifts without question. Yeah. 
He shows the love. The verse that says he gives good gifts to his children. That's it. So how Matthew much chapter more? 7. So it just, it just keeps showing you all throughout the word of God that he's a giving father. No question. Giving all, I mean, obviously from the moment that the world was made. That's right. <laughs> so it's in his nature for gifts. Gifts is part of his nature. Yep. And we should take on the nature of, of God. Yeah, no question. And so you begin to realize uh, God used the giving of gifts to show love. It was a loving act to give us spiritual leaders. It was a loving act to give us the gifts of the spirit. Mm -hmm. But then we flip it to our side. What about us? How do we respond back to God in this, in this love language? Same way, giving. You know, that's part of how we show our worship and love to God and to his kingdom. We are givers. You know, we've talked about that on the broadcast often, but that's what we do. You know, when we tithe, when we give, when we do the things the Bible commands us to do, it is what? A form of our worship. We're showing love to God in how we give to him. And that's huge. I mean, people, people start to realize how big it is. I heard someone say one time uh, that that's the last bastion of resistance for any person is their checkbook. You know, because anybody can attend church. Anybody can lift their hands. Anybody can sing a song. You know, all that stuff. But when you're invested... Yeah, because money represents your life. Exactly. Money represents the hours of every day of the week that you've put in, that you've been away from your family, that you've, you know, invested time in, 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 in learning and knowledge and what you're doing. That little book right there, that debit card, it represents your life. Yeah, it literally represents, as you're saying, because really what you've done is you've traded your, your time, the time of your life for... A paycheck. So when that paycheck comes back into your hand, it means a lot to that's you. here. This right here represents 40 hours of my week this week. 40 hours of my 168 hours this week is represented in this paycheck. Or if you get biweekly, 80, you know. So you look at that as when I put that in the offering, I am actually saying, God, here's me. Yeah. Here's me. And that's why it's so big. Because when we give to God, it is a true form of love for him. Because you're, you're literally saying, Lord, here's me. I'm putting me on the altar. I'm putting me in the offering plate. And I don't think people understand it at this level. But, but you have to think of it this way. Because it's not just like, well, here's five bucks, God. Don't, don't tip God. You're, when you give and you're giving significantly, it's you saying, Lord, here is my whole life. That's how deep it is. Givers are giving their life to God. That's a way we show him that we love him. And when we come down to, you know, husband and wife, children, whatever that might be, um, gifts is a big deal, obviously. Uh, we know Christmas is one of the biggest money makers of the year, if not the biggest. Yes, I support it fully. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there. It's not just, it's, it's not just uh, Christians. It's not just Christians that are buying presents for their kids, but even sinners that celebrate Christmas are buying presents for their kids. Yes. What? Why do we do it? Well, we've talked about this. Our kids don't need more stuff, and it's not about need. No. It's not about. Well, does my kid need a toy? It's not about needing a toy. It's about 
when you give that gift to your child or to your husband or to your wife or to your parents, uh, let me just tell you, when you give it, how many can put your hand up in the comments and say, like, when I watched my children, maybe they're grown now, but when they were little, when I used to watch my kids rip that paper open and see the excitement and joy on their face when they pulled that thing out that they wanted, that made you feel so good, you know, it, because it's the way you, that's the way you show love Yeah. and they feel love. I still think it happens for adults. Like sure. when, I, when our kids are older, I'm going to be excited to get them stuff, you know, Oh yeah. and, and watch their face when they're adults. Absolutely. I love watching your face. I do though. Yeah. I get excited. With do I make faces presents. when I open a present? Yeah. <laughs> what face do I make? Like shocked. Like it's a, it's a, you're like, Carolyn. I always say Carolyn. <laughs> I always go, Carolyn. Carolyn. Yeah. I don't know why I say that. I just say your name. It's like, you spent too much. I don't know. Carolyn. Why. Carolyn. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. Um, <laughs> but give, the giving of gifts. Truly. Wow, Dylan, you're dark. You got a tan. <laughs> tr- <laughs> got a tan in Peckville. Truly. Area. The giving of gifts. It's not just how God showed love. It's not just how we show love back to him, but literally one to another. Now, it's interesting because some people, they're not moved by gifts. Now, the point of, the point of us uh, talking about this is that you have to know or learn. Dylan said I'm black at heart. You have to know or learn. I kind of thought that about you when I was. <laughs> how some people, like I have to know that about you and you have to know that about me. Like it would do you no good to be like, okay, well, the way I like to show love to Ted is acts of service. But like, if, if she knows that those, that's not one of my two big ones where I'm like, I really feel loved. Then she could think, well, I'm really showing him love by this, but I'm like, I'm not feeling loved, you know? And this is, this actually happens so often with people and in relationships. Uh, Yeah. In couples. And then also, uh, where the husband Children. or wife thinks they're doing something good and they're excited about it, but the other person is like, but that's not what I wanted. <laughs> and so when you look at the big picture, you're looking at that relationship going like, why is he or she reacting like that? That person just did that. But you have to realize it didn't move the person. It wasn't what they were wanting. It wasn't what they desired. It wasn't what got them going. Yeah. And so you, it's not their makeup. Yeah. And so you can see the frustration because let's say you, right. for example, you had, you know, cause like one of the things men can say often, you know, I put a roof over your head. I put food on the table. You know, that's like a man thing to say, you know, like I, I take care of you every need and you have, all your bills are paid and that's me taking care of you. You know, I, but maybe that's not the thing. I mean, of course we appreciate a roof over our head and food on the table and bills paid, but maybe acts of service is not the thing. Maybe the wife is looking for words of affirmation. Maybe she's just looking for, you know, for lack of a better term, some sweet talk. Maybe she's just, <laughs> lo- you know what I mean? Maybe she's just looking to say, she, want, she wants you to pull her and say, you know sweet what, you're, talk. you're beautiful. What era are we in? I think you're beautiful. I think you're very beautiful. Thank you. You know, maybe that's what she's looking for. Maybe just like, I love you so much. You're such a great wife. Thanks. You work so hard. Thanks. You're really amazing. Can we end maybe- this broadcast and go home now? <laughs> maybe that is what she's looking for. You know what I mean? Because they know what yours is. So let's go. So, 
That's what Denise said. That's why we have to learn others' love language and make a point of using them. That's exactly right. Because if you don't know, I mean, think about that. That's probably your most important relationship outside of Christ. It is your spouse. If you don't even know how your spouse feels loved, then how are you going to successfully keep them in that place where they are feeling loved? Uh, and, And the thing is, that's the kind of stuff you see failing in relationships. It's like the wife is looking for this or the husband's looking for this, but the other spouse is saying like, I am doing everything I know and they don't, but, but they're they're, It's not the right one. So they're not feeling the fulfillment of love in that relationship. Say it could be the same with children. You know, your children may have a different one than you do. And so your children, uh, quality time for them might be huge. And someone asked earlier, can these change over time? And I think they absolutely do. For example, Uh, like when your kids are young, I think they extremely, I think they value quality time extremely because like, uh, you know, they're like, they, you know, come, come play with me, come hang on. You know, they want you to come do stuff with them and be around them and stuff like that. And that may change as they get older, uh, into something different, but you know, in the formative years, they definitely, um, are wanting that quality time with you. And so that's number two, the quality time that you spend. That's the second way people either feel loved or they give love, spending quality time. But look how God did it with us. Uh, He spends quality time with us where? In his house, in his presence, at church, when we're in uh, prayer, when when we spend time in prayer, he's spending time with us. I like what Gina said. Because that's a good point. You can love them in your love language, but they don't receive it the same. Exactly. Because you you know what yours are, and you think that's where where it ends. But it's really you got to flip flop. Know what yours are, but know what theirs are. Theirs are, and then that's the ones that you have to do, not yep. what yours are. And so that's a good point because people do do that. They have their two down, and then that's how they love the other person. The Thinking, other friend, well, this is other. how I feel loved. You should be the same. Right. And it's not. You got to find out what the other person uh, goes by. Yeah, and, and how they feel, you know, uh, feel loved. Because you might be, for example, think about it. You might be an acts of service and quality time person. You want, you appreciate when your spouse does things for you, uh, helps you work, or helps you with what thing. You may really, really, really appreciate that, uh, and then spends quality time with you. However, they might be somebody who really appreciates gifts. And physical touch or whatever in, in that way. And so you have to understand if you don't know that, then you think that when you're doing your things, that they're feeling that same level of fulfillment and love. And they're not because that's not how they're made up. And so you have to identify that. And, you know, that's, that's a scriptural principle as well. When you start to realize that um, Paul taught becoming all things to all men that you may re- win some. He talked about uh, laying aside your desires for someone else's convictions, right? So what did Paul teach? That if somebody is convicted about eating meat, then when I'm around them, I'll push that to the side just for that moment because they're convicted about it. And so what am I doing? I'm taking something that I have a right to do, but I'm saying for this person who feels convicted by it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. What are you doing? You're becoming all things to all men. You are preferring the other above yourself. And that really is what it boils down to. Is it selfish for me to say like, well, you know, this is who I am. You become that too. 
No, preferring someone above yourself is, I recognize how you operate and I'm going to work to fulfill that operation, not try to force my operation on you. And that, and that really is the key. And so we spend time with God in his house and he spends time with us in his presence. In prayer, you have um, John chapter 15. Could you read that? No, I don't have oh, it up. Oh, can you? I have can something you, else. Okay, read yours first. Well, when I was thinking of quality time, uh, Matthew six thirty three came to me because then it, it ties it in with the first one. It says, seek the kingdom of God. So you're seeking to be in his presence. You're right. seeking to do what he wants. You're seeking to be with him, quality mm -hmm. time. Above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So here you are, quality time. You're seeking to be in his presence. You're seeking after the Lord. That's right. You're seeking to spend time with him. And then turn around, here's number one. He's going to give you stuff. Exactly. So it just goes to show you how all the love languages tie in to each other yeah. through the word of God. That's right. And you when wanted you, John, you said. Well, yeah, we look at prayer, and I'll let you read how the New Living says it, but Jesus is teaching on prayer in John 15. And he says, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you can ask for whatever you will and it'll be done for you. How does the New Living Translation, verse seven? Um, uh, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So notice that you, his words have to remain in you, which meant you spent quality time, uh, not just in prayer, but in his word and all that in his house, in his presence. And look what it does. It provokes him to answer those requests. And in the form of gifts, whatever you request will be done unto you. So quality time, you know, that's something that you may look at and identify with your uh, children, your spouse, whatever. They really value quality time. Um, move on. Physical touch. This was a big to me because you look at this healing. When God touches his children, What's the, one of the ways he physically touches you? He heals your body. He heals your body. He delivers you from addictions. Think about that. If you didn't hear the testimony at our last meeting in Tomball, there was a man who laid his cigarettes on the altar. Three packs a day he'd been smoking for 26 years. 26 years. God touched him in one service. He didn't smoke a cigarette in three days when he came back to tell the testimony. It wasn't one pack. It was like five. And three packs. Oh, he put three. Three packs a day oh, is what he you, smoked you for 26 him. years. He had his three packs with him. Yeah. And one was already open because he'd been smoking it. I, I looked at the pile because he yeah. dumped them and then he broke them all in I half. I broke them all in half on the altar. Okay, but notice. Second thoughts. The oh. physical touch <laughs> uh, is deliverance. It's healing. God touches his children physically through healing and through deliverance. It's powerful. And then we're able to touch him. I love this. We're able to touch him as we pursue his presence. We're able to touch the Lord. We used to sing a song, reach out and touch the Lord as he, as he yeah. goes by. And that's why with number three, last year, physical touch really irritated me when the whole world was against touching right. because it was such a command in the word of God. Lay your hands, lay hands, on, hands the on the sick. And then the lady who had the issue of blood, she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Yep. And so that really went against every belief system within me. And Absolutely. I was like against it. I touched everybody, I touched everything. I was like, nope, I'm hugging everybody. I'm not participating in this lie that the world's giving because it's a direct 
disobedience, it's a direct command against what God's told us to do. You know, when you, I think about physical touch, the little children came to him. They sat on his lap. He hugged on them. It wasn't like, oh, well, there's lepers around. You could have this disease. You can't. He went and touched lepers when he wasn't supposed to. You know what really annoyed my faith last year? Everything. Everybody was coming out <laughs> with those safety keys, which was the, is like that? the copper hook that you open doors with. You could put it on your keychain. You could o- you could touch things with it. You could move things with it. It was like a copper hook that like you put on, and you had, that's how you open doors. Then and the like, hook gets dirty, and then you touch the hook. So none of that was common sense. I See, just like none of it was common sense. I, I was like, I am not. I'm touching every door. But like that, I don't wear gloves. That's just how I was. I it's wasn't like going to participate in that because touch was such a, a big deal when the Lord, when you know, He's walking around doing the miracles. And I was like, I'm, I, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. You're supposed to be like Jesus. We're not supposed to be scared of this stuff. We're supposed to be, you know, in fear. We're supposed to operate exactly the way the Lord operated when he That's was right. here on earth. That's right. And greater, he said, we'll do. Absolutely. You can't do greater if you're wearing gloves. It makes no sense. <laughs> and true. I'm not going to do it to make anyone feel better. <laughs> I'm not that, you know, some people had that like, well, if it made the other person feel better, it's my way to open up to witness to talk to them. No, let me show you why I'm not wearing gloves. Right. Let me be a witness and let you know why I'm not wearing a mask around you. Because mm. this is what the word of God tells us to be like as Christians. That's right. This is what I have to live by. And this is how we're supposed to operate. Exactly. So let right. me do it that way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna back up for that. Yeah, because really, you're gonna you're gonna contradict what the word, word of God teaches in order to witness. That doesn't even make logical sense. Yeah, let me contradict the word of God. Let me contradict faith. Let me contradict what the Bible says to do, and then explain to you why now I can witness to you because I went against what the word of God teaches. Stupidity. Yeah. So I. My house was open when other people said shut. I was hugging everybody. I was touching everyone. Still laid hands. There's not one time, not one time we ever stopped and haven't stopped laying hands on people. In every church service, every place that people needed prayer, we've literally physically touched them. And let me speak to the wives that are watching. Physical touch is important. Physical touch (laughs) is important. Let me speak to the wives. Physical touch is important. It is very, very, very important for all of you that are watching. It is not something to hold back from your husband as a punishment. Not that Carolyn's mm. never done that, but there's wives that do that. And they're like, well, he, I didn't like what he did and he, you know, whatever. And then they'll use it as a punishment for their husband, right? Yeah. Wrong. It is wrong to do. Ben Fulce said, amen. (laughs) That's exactly right. It's important. It's important. By the way, it's Can you tell that's one of his love languages? I'm just telling you, it's important. So, wives, don't be be doling out punishments. I'm not talking to him. He's getting a silent breakfast. He's getting a silent lunch and a silent dinner. And I'm sleeping in another room. I'm going to my parents for the weekend. Don't do it. Seeds of destruction. Seeds of destruction. Um, number four, words of affirmation. Sometimes men, ooh, Rebecca going deep. It's witchcraft to withhold sex. It's a form of manipulation. And the Bible says 
Manipulation is as the sin of witchcraft. I'm writing that down. Hold on a second. Will you stop it? Witchcraft. In your vineyard of love, write it below that. Uh-uh. It's witchcraft. It's a form of manipulation. My God, she just called every woman that's holding it back from her husband a witch. I'm just telling you right now. Need some, we need some deliverance up in this comment section. No, I'm kidding. Um, words of affirmation. Now, where, where I just said that stuff to the, um, Rebecca said, truth hurts. Um, talking to the wives. Let me talk to the husbands. Husbands. Um, you have to understand that women are made up a certain way. Uh, obviously, more often than not, and I'm, this is not across the board, but more often than not, most women are, uh, they experience emotions in a way that men do not. And so many times that fulfillment, that, um, that uh, affirmation, it's got to be there. And many times men aren't that verbal. Men have a tendency of coming home, sitting down, and they, they don't talk a whole lot. They don't share with their, they don't want any kind of, uh, we don't want any kind of conversations. We don't talk about our feelings. We don't want to talk about emotions. Men don't do that. We don't do that. But you know what? Your wife needs to hear that you love her. She needs to hear you say that you think she's beautiful. She needs to hear you say that she's an amazing wife, that she's a hard worker, that you appreciate the things she's doing as she works her butt off in whatever she does, whether that's at a job, whether that's as that's a, a stay-at-home mom, whatever it might be. Maybe it's both. Maybe she's doing all the work at the house and at her job. And you need, she needs to hear you say that you appreciate it, that she's beautiful, that she is desirable, that she is wonderful, that, you know, all these things, words matter, words matter. And this is a big one because guys many times, yeah, and that's what I said, Lenny, they, they need to hear you say, I love you. I love you very much. You know, you have to say those things because not only is it true, well, you can't be like the a guy that's like, well, she knows I love her. You know, that's what guys do. Well, she knows I love her. I married her, didn't I? Married her, yeah, married her, didn't I? You know, it's like, you can't use that. They, you need to say it and you need to say it often and you need to say it with genu with a genuine heart. I love you. You are beautiful. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I appreciate you. Thank you. I mean, even if it was just standard, you know, th that was a great dinner. Thank you so much. It was a, I loved it. Delicious. Anything just begin to use, uh, words of affirmation because they need to hear it. And it, it's not because you're making it up. It's genuine. You know, there's tons of husbands that love their wives. They just don't say it enough. Yeah. Bottom line. Super in love. There's lots of husbands who love their wives and they just don't say it enough. That think their wives are beautiful. They just don't say it. You know, it, it, that happens often, doesn't it? There's tons of husbands. They're like, um, you know, if you ask them, like if you ask them, do you think your wife's pretty? Absolutely, my wife's pretty. But they don't say it. Do you think your wife's a hard worker? Absolutely. I think she's a very hard worker, but they don't say it. Then just tell her, right? Just tell her it. she's awesome. Tell her she works hard. Tell her you see it. Tell her you appreciate it. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her she doesn't need makeup to be beautiful. You know, because if you truly understand, you see that girl all the time. You see her first thing in the morning. You see her with no makeup. You see her, you know, whatever. Let her know that, she, you know, 
That's true. Olga's saying that's that's absolutely true. There are men that need uh, verbal affirmation as well. Huge wives. Maybe you have that tendency to kind of shut down and not talk as much. Tell your husband. Men and women work the same way on that level. Sure. Everybody needs to hear. Good oh yeah, it about makes them. you feel good to hear that. You know, as a husband or a wife or a child. One of the things that we try to do very much with our children, it oh, affects them. Huge words of affirmation to our kids. It affects we them. Probably overdone it. We, you know, our kids are very <laughs> secure because we have always been extremely uh, careful to affirm them verbally. You know, but we're doing that now because our kids are not going to be out looking for words of affirmation from some boy or some girl and then leads them down the road of a sinful life. So they're not going to go out and feel like they need to be comforted or loved by somebody else. You know, Teddy is learning to read. And, and Teddy and I were reading last night. And Teddy told me, because I told him, and he now it's in his heart, he said, I'm the best reader there is. And I said, yes, you are. Are right, Teddy. Come see me. Come say hi to everybody. But I, I wanted you to um, understand that Teddy's like, I'm the best reader. Are you the best reader? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew it. And so Teddy, tell him what you can Came read. You read yesterday, mm-hmm. and how you many could words? you could read a sentence that had how many words in it? Six. Six word sentence, and you're not even in kindergarten yet. And he said. I am the best reader. And you are the best reader, right? He You're also awesome. Said now his sister can't trick him. Oh, yeah. Now Brooklyn can't trick you. <laughs> Why does she trick you? Okay. What does she do? She reads something and then tells you something else? She's so tricky. Should I give her a spank? Yes. Oh, no. I love you. That's my boy. And he is the best reader. And he's so smart. And he's handsome. Are you handsome? Yes, he said yes, he is. See, you, know, you, have to, you have to understand, kids need to hear you uh, affirm them. Think, think of it long road, parents. You don't want to have to hurt anybody later. This saves you from being a <laughs> violent jail. person a, later. A violent offender. <laughs> right? So you have, that's how I think long term. I'm a long term thinker. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hurt any boy or have to tell him something or, you know, girls coming after Teddy. So I just, you know, I save myself now. I save people's lives later and I give my kids lots of affirmation. That's how I look at it. Yeah. I mean, and they need it. <laughs> they need it a lot. And it's important that you, that you put that there. So, you know, you begin to re- remember this principle and put it in, put it in the comments and then we'll do one more and pray. Remember this principle, put it in the comments People don't always remember what you say, but they always remember how you made them feel. Yep. Please put that in the comments and please remember it. People don't always remember what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. I mean, this is huge. Oh, yeah. Because that feeling outweighs words. Oh, and, and, and here's the deal. You could say the same thing two different ways and it'll be received two different ways. Like in all honesty, I mean, that's why 
it's funny because anybody that's in the business world would know that if you're in any kind of a, a, a leadership position where you have to uh, bring any kind of correction to somebody else in the business, what do they always teach you to do? Start with a positive. <laughs> it's almost like it's, it's so common now. People know it's coming. Like, uh-oh, he's praised me. What's coming next? But like they always tell you, start with a positive. Start with something you appreciate that the worker has done. Start with something they did right. You know, it's like, you know, I, I really liked how you did this and this on this project. But I think for next time, one of the things we could keep in mind is, you know, we've got to remember the customer, whatever it is, right? You start with something positive. It puts them in that mood of like the words of affirmation being, you know, receiving that praise. But then you transition into what could be better for next time rather than just ignoring everything that was good and coming and being like, you know what? You really sucked at customer service in that last project. Well, that's going to automatically, that's a good way to say it. Ben Fulce said, drop the pillow before you drop the hammer. That's a great way to look at it. But but in 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 all sincerity, you look at the way it affects a person's emotions. If you have no affirmation, no praise, none of that, and you just come in immediately having ignored all the good work they did, and then you just hammer the one thing they did wrong, you know, five years from now, if you keep, if you keep, not even five years, five months from now, if you keep conducting yourself in that way with those around you, when you begin to interact with them, they may not remember all the things you said previously, but they'll remember every time my boss comes over here, I get reamed out, I go home ticked off. They remember how they felt or, or even uh, the good things. Like, I know people that have worked for people where they, you know, were blessed along the way, mm-hmm. but they still to this day remember the bad feelings of, like you said, they don't remember all the words, but they remember how they felt, despite right. if they were blessed along, along the way. Yeah, for sure. Because so that's the matter. thing. Uh, and the, here, gifts, they don't, the gifts don't even supersede the feeling. The right. feeling has superseded everything else. Well, here, here's proof of that. I was reading a statistic that they said the majority of people who are working would, would be willing to take a significant pay cut to work at a job that fulfilled them and made them happy. Basically doing what they enjoy doing. So you might be going to a job that's stressful, that you don't really enjoy doing your job, but you get paid a lot. But they said the majority of those people would quit, take a pay cut to just be able to do, and they even listed the amount of money they'd be willing to take a pay cut on. It was like between thirty and $50,000 a year. And they said, I would give up that thirty to 50000 extra to just do what I love doing and to, be, to enjoy my work. That just goes to show you how important peace is in people's lives. Yeah. How peace truly is priceless. And you made that, you did that broadcast recently. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm planning for peace because it, it, once again, it all ties in. They would rather take less money to live in peace and to have everything good around them than to make more money and like ready to rip their hair out. Exactly. leaving work. Yeah. And that's the key. Why? You remember how that thing made you feel, how that person mm-hmm. made you feel. And so... You always want to seek to be an encouragement to people. You know, that's exactly what the Bible tells us to do, that we're to build up one another in love, encourage one another as you see the day of the Lord approaching. All these things we're commanded to do as uh, uh, believers, fellow believers. 
And so we should always encourage our spouse, encourage our children, encourage our coworkers, encourage our, uh, our, our fellow believers, even encourage those that are ahead of us. I mean, we don't have to build them up, but you know, it's nice for your, even your spiritual leader to get a card or a note, or even you stop, stop to talk to them after service. You know, I really appreciate your preaching and your ministry and you praying for our family and this church, you're doing such a great job. They appreciate that. They're not robots, they're humans. And they appreciate when people appreciate what they're doing as they press in for God's people. Finally, acts of service is number five. And of course, our obedience to the Lord is our act of service. Uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit were God's acts of service. He acted out his love by sending Jesus. He acted out his love, Jesus did, by praying to the Father and the Father sending the Holy Spirit. Acted out the love. And so there are uh, no question acts of service is big. Carolyn, this is something big for you. Uh, acts of service that you appreciate. Uh, that you really value. And it's, it's one of the ways that someone feels love. And uh, you, you got to understand, these have to be identified as soon as you can identify them. Because it's not enough to just know, for example, if you want a relationship to be extremely productive and efficient, and, and what better one than your husband or wife, fiance, whatever, uh, your children, if you're wanting that extremely productive an effective relationship. It's worth all of the time it takes to, to identify that person's language. How do they feel loved? What do they appreciate? You know, and it's as much as uh, little things you're listening for, little things that you are, um, you've just got your ear to the ground. You're, you're listening to what they say. And that gives you clues and cues as to what you could do to make that person feel more fulfilled. And it's massive. And if you, if you truly value a relationship, that's the way you show it. By saying, all right, how can I build this relationship to the next level? So for example, we've dealt with this on a broadcast where we talked about five areas of your life that you must master. That's in the podcast. You can go back and listen. It's on a broadcast. It's on YouTube. Five areas of your life that you have to master. Well, what do we say they are? The spiritual area the mental area, the physical area, the financial area, and the relational area. And if you want to uh, focus on that, you have to ask yourself a question. Again, getting introspective, knowing what's going on. How can I improve my relationships that are important to me? What things can I do actionably that will improve the relationships that I have? Well, every day you have to take that introspective look, just like we were talking about yesterday. What can I do differently? This is what we talked about yesterday, knowing yourself, but then also now we got to figure out what's going on with the others around us. What would you like? Oh, good. Well, what what would you say? Like if you were going to speak to like some, some women, whatever, whether they're single, married, maybe they're on a job, they're fellow believers. What would be some actionable steps that you'd say that like, if they were, if they were going to say, if I'm going to get introspective and say, what can I do to improve my relationships starting today? Like what, what actionable steps could I take to ensure that, uh, my relationships are going to continue to flourish instead of start degrade. For me, I think I would kind of look at what are my strengths and my weaknesses in life and then kind of make a column for it. And then what, 
you're looking at that's more on the weaker side, I would focus on, well, how can I improve that? How can... So what are some, give me some practical examples. What are some weaknesses women and men battle that would hurt their relationships? No communication. Lack of communication. You that's know, huge. I would say that's really big because a lot of women, they'll have a whole conversation, a whole in their mind. thing going on in their mind. And then when it's filled in here, it comes out here and nobody else. Guys are taking off. I have to like, remember that nobody else heard what's going on in here. Yeah. So when you come out. Midway through your thought, <laughs> that you've been dwelling on for three looking days, looking at you like a deer in headlights. Like, like where'd this I don't come from? Even know how that thought came here and where we are here. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that is huge amongst women and guys might do it, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not a guy, so I'm not sure if guys play those things out in their That mind. is more of like a woman but thing. But I think it's more of a of a woman thing. As I said yesterday, guys, when they have an issue with one another, whatever, they just say it. And they, whatever they get, they get right. it out. There's less of a filter for it. And then and guys, and then guys are like fine about filter. it. <laughs> guys, are, guys are like fine. Then they go hang out and play, do, you know, do whatever you know afterwards. So, but that is more something you'll see more commonly with women because they internalize everything, and then they'll think about it. They dwell on it. They get angry all over again. They've got this conversation going in their mind, and by the time they actually bring it up to their husband, right. it's been going on in their mind for a week. Yeah. Like and then it's like he's cooker. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, where did all this come from? Like, you haven't said any of this. Right. And, and like, they play scenarios out in your head, and it and it never even happened. Never even happened. It never even happened, and it wasn't even going in that direction to happen. Right. <laughs> Another one, would you say, too, is is a lack of self-control in your in your language, meaning uh, you're, you're quick to fly off the handle at people. Yeah. That's a weakness that, like, just because you thought a thing doesn't mean you have to say a thing. Sure. Right. Be you slow always, you know, to speak and quick to hear. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's and that's also how you can get into honor real big is like you you might be right about something, but it doesn't always have to be said. It doesn't always have in a situation, um, you know, when someone else you're dealing with certain people, you, you could, you know, I, I work on this with Maddie because she's type A. She knows everything. And this and that. And it really can be hard on Brooklyn, who's not the type A. She's the middle child. And I'm always like, Maddie, just because you know it, why don't you just sit there and let somebody else talk to you about it? Right. You don't have to correct them. Correct every single That's word. That's because she's me and I deal with that. And you don't have to correct every single word <laughs> I deal with that. that comes out of their mouth. Sometimes you just <laughs> let it go. Sometimes yeah. you just let it go. Or at another time, there's, there's a time for it to be brought up. But it's like when you're always telling somebody they're wrong or they're doing it wrong, it weighs on you. And I can see that with Brooklyn and Maddie because for so many years, Brooklyn's always wrong and it has to be done this way and this and that. When I'm always like, Maddie, just let, let, let I'm always like, let up on her a little bit. Just let her go. Let her have an idea. Right. If you're the one in the group who's just constantly ideas, nobody else feels like they can be a part of it right you know what I mean and they could have good ideas too yeah so you didn't write it down so not that you have to but what it was we were talking about flying off the the handle speaking 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 all the time yeah but but speaking in a way that's destructive rather than encouraging you know tone is everything yeah and just always saying like oh I just speak my mind that's how I that's the kind of person I am if I think it I'm gonna say it mature people don't always speak their mind they're slow to speak slow to speak and they're quick to hear yep 
And so that those are two areas right there practically. Look at yourself. Everybody needs time to process stuff. Yeah. Look at yourself and say, um, you know, what, what are these things part of my life? Do I need and to you're like. you're right, Tyra. Not, not all the time it's worth to even say it. It's true. Just lock it up in your mind and let it go. Don't lock it up and let it fester. Right. Lock just it up it and just let it go. And, and, that, and that's the key. So you, some people lack communication. Some people, too much communication. Yeah. <laughs> They're just always saying everything they think. But look at these things. Do I. Lock it up. Do, I, do I deal with people? And uh, another one could be this. Do I dominate the conversation? Here, here's something I've learned, which this, this is a great, this is a really great uh, key for anybody. Uh, you talk about making people feel loved and appreciated and whatever. Let me tell you one thing that I do this genuinely because I'm interested and, and I honestly am. Carolyn and Tiffany were making fun of me yesterday because you're like, they're like, you, you can like drop into learning mode like immediately and at any time. But that's because I've, I really have come to the conclusion that like I, I already know everything I know. I don't know what other people know. I thought he was going to say, I already know everything. So. No, no, no. I already know everything I know. So, for example, we were out with a pastor uh, in Tomball, uh, Pastor Greg, and I took the whole lunch to ask him questions and to get his input on things and to ask him what he's learned in ministry and things that he's done. Because I already know everything I know. I need to know what he knows. And so, and I didn't just listen. I didn't just ask to be nice, to have a conversation at lunch. I had my phone out. Uh, Zach can tell you, I was just taking notes. I got a whole page of notes with pictures and book recommendations and everything because I'm acquiring new information. Yeah. And one of the things that remain uh, you remain teachable, but one of the things that you will, this will help you. And I don't do it as a gimmick. I'm actually interested. So when I get around somebody, I don't care to talk about me because I already know everything about me. I want to know about you. And so I want to, I'll ask you questions. And then at the end, people are like, man, we've been talking about you know, like me and my forever. What about you? And I'm like, oh, you know, we're doing great. But I want to know about you. But remember what happens is when you begin to uh, interact with somebody like that, it, br- it makes them feel appreciated. Like, oh, he was really interested in our ministry. He's really interested in, in you know, well, my business. Around and, people where you can't get like a word in edgewise. Is that the same? Or they just don't ever stop talking about I'm not them. not sure what edgewise is. They, they bring Edge. everything back to themselves all the time. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. One of the biggest type of people I can't stand being around, one-uppers. <laughs> that is like my hugest pet peeve in life. Like, oh, so what did you, uh, what did you, like, yeah, you know, we just, um, you know, people do this, you know, the ones that are severe, I'll be like, so where, where were you? You ever met somebody that like, they only ask you a question uh, and then they zone out just, they're just waiting for you to stop so they can tell you what they wanted to say. One Oh, uh, and so they'll be like, so where did you take your family for vacation? Like, oh, you know, we went to Universal Studios and uh, went up to Orlando, went to the, oh yeah, well, I've been to Universal Studios five times. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I know, I basically know I've been on every ride like 20 times. I know that whole place, like the back of my hand. You know, uh, we, we, we go, I've been going there for years. So I've, like your daughter. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, I can't stand the one uppers. Like the, it's like, all right, that's a part of the reason I don't want to talk to myself, uh, talk to you about myself is because I don't want to hear. I all don't want to talk to myself. I would I'm just rather upper. direct it and be like, just tell me about you. Just tell me about you. So you don't have to one up me. Cause I, I don't care. So just talk about you. They're the worst. It's like, that's why when I get around though, and I can identify that's who they are. I'll just, I'll just, 
and, and not because I'm interested at this point now. I just make it all about them. She says you want to slap those people. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, so I just, but, but the key is if you can be genuine about it, like I am because I'm truly interested in everything. These guys make fun of me because I'm interested in everything and I'll go through phases and I'll get super interested in one thing and learn everything there is to know about it. And then I'll move on to something else and, uh, and all this stuff. And that's just like my personality. Um, but if you can be genuinely interested, right? It's like, so tell me about you. Tell me. And then you're just asking penetrating questions. I'll tell you, if you'll do, if you can do that, that is one way to truly make people feel appreciated and loved and respected because you're actually interested in what they're doing, what they do. I've, I've talked to people where I didn't know anything about what they do. Like they even told me what they did, you know, and I still enjoy it. I remember going out, I've, I've spent time, I've played a lot of music with Ben, Ben Fole that's watching, uh, played a lot of music for over a decade. I've been playing with Ben, but I can tell you, uh, Ben's so smart that I've talked to him about what he does and he's even explained it to me. And there's a lot of times I don't really know what he does. I mean, he could be in the mafia for all I know, but he's a very smart individual and uh, has so many abilities and talents and stuff. And sometimes I'll listen and I'll ask penetrating questions, but uh, I'm not on his level in those areas. And so it's interesting for him, for me to hear him explain it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to understand every in and out of everything he does for work but I'm still very interested to hear how he does it and how he's so successful in those things. Uh, so it doesn't mean you have to fully understand every, I mean, imagine if you were sitting with an astrophysicist at a dinner and be like, so tell me what you do. Well, I'm an astrophysicist. All right, that's great. What does that mean? You know, it's like, you're not going to understand the ins and outs of astrophysics in a dinner, but that doesn't mean you don't stop asking the penetrating questions and being interested in their life and what they're doing. And so, these things are important and, and it is important to constantly watch yourself, uh, constantly look at, uh, what can I do to get better? What can I do to improve the relationships I currently have? Here's another one. And let's, let's say this real quickly before we pray. Isn't it important to identify relationships you don't need to have? <laughs> and another thing. No, but isn't that true? Five part series turned into a 10. You're so good at speaking and preaching and teaching. But can we You're cover my that quickly? Favorite. Can we cover that quickly? Yeah. Take it, Carolyn. What do you think about it? What? No, it's, uh, <laughs> identifying relationships you don't need to have. It's important to end. Not every relationship's worth having. It's important to end some of them, mm-hmm. right? There, there are truly people that are toxic in relationship that they don't have any desire to change. You know, it's a, it's okay to end some, right? People sit here all day, Gina says. Yeah, that's just like we talked about at the beginning. Toxic, and you can let people go, and it doesn't have to be confrontational, and it's better for your life. Do what's better for your life. Do This is why I spoke on it, and I titled it, The One Thing I'll Never Forfeit is Peace. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what's going on. I will make sure peace remains in my atmosphere. It's the driving force for having the atmosphere of, of Christ. You have to have peace. And so you're going to have to let people go. You're going to have to say, I love you from a distance, you know, and you could be lifelong friends, but you can do things slowly. Just separate. Yeah. You know, not Absolutely. everybody is meant to go 
with you your entire life. Yep. There's a particular, I'm not a huge fan of the word journey, uh, that there is a particular path uh, that that God has for you. And there will be some people that are there for a season. There'll be some, you know, I'll never forget the example you did with a building, construction being built, and their scaffolding or those things that like hold up until the next phase is built. Then that can be removed and you're going up and building up to the next level and the next level. Well, that scaffolding was there for that particular part of the construction and it had to be there for that phase, you know, but then it gets removed and, you know, it's not there anymore. So it's okay to let some people go because not everyone's meant to continue on with you in life and be at every level that God's moving you up to. Absolutely. So we want to pray for you today because relationships are probably one of the most important things that you have to deal with and have to have in order to grow, build, expand, and to fulfill your purpose. You're not going to do it alone. You're going to do it with other people. And so it's important to understand how you can do it successfully. So I'm going to pray that God would open your eyes. Three things we taught this week. Know your God, know yourself, know the other. Know the other person in the relationship with you, whoever that might be. But those are the three legs on the stool. Know your God, know yourself, know the other. And understand each, th each of those three plays a massive role in making sure that relationship is successful. So let, let us pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for every person that's watching or listening I pray that you'd open up their eyes to their spiritual identity in Christ, who they are in Christ. If there are people that are battling insecurities, they're battling, uh, even those that are battling immaturity, they've never been able to grow to that level of full maturity in Christ. I pray that you'd work with them. I pray the Holy Spirit would strengthen them, open the eyes of their understanding, let them see in the word what they've never seen by the power of your spirit. Number two, Lord, we ask you to keep us humble. Keep us in meekness so that we can examine ourselves and judge ourselves so that we'll not be judged. And let us identify the things in our own lives that need to change. And finally, Lord, we ask you to give us a compassion for other people, a love for other people, and let us in the name of Jesus Christ be those who always encourage other people and never tear down. We lift others up and help them and equip them to do what they're called to do in the kingdom of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you're using us to do it. Thank you for your blessing. Yeah. Thank you that you're bringing the right people into our lives and that you're removing the wrong people from our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're flying out today, the family. We're headed to upstate New York. It's really lower New York. I don't know why it's not called upstate. Is it called? They call it upstate? No. Everything that's not New York City is upstate. We're going to lower New York, Elmira Corning, Horseheads, New York, for the Uproar Conference, Ooh, which starts tomorrow. Year 10. I'm telling you, it's year 10. It's going to be powerful. I'm so very excited. Amazing people coming. I'm looking forward to it. Starts Thursday. It goes Friday. It goes Saturday. And then we're going to be back with our Horseheads family at the church on Sunday morning for two services at his tabernacle. And uh, all the... Uh, so drive in for it. All the, in, all the information, by the way, is at theuproar.org. Theuproar.org. Jess Burton's coming in tomorrow. Good. It's going to be amazing. Cannot wait uh, to get up there with our family. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be anointed. Lives are going to be changed. They are every year. This is one of the reasons this is like one of the last youth events that I still do. I don't know the how long you one. can... 
I don't, I don't know how long you can minister to youth when you're like 40, but my youth pastor was like 50 something. But the thing is, it's not just youth. I think no, that's it's, what, it's everybody. It's, it's all ages. Yeah. It's college age. It's older. It's, it's families. Adults. People come. Yeah. We'd love to have you there. Theupmore.org. It's absolutely free. I mean, that's mind-blowing nowadays. Yeah. I don't know any conference yeah, that's free. Especially with and, a budget of like 60-some thousand dollars. But it's free, and they're having like well-known performers and, you know, preachers. Social it's, Club is coming. It's free. Dante Bo from uh, Maverick City. The hand of God City. is on it for and sure. Her, what's the other girl's name? Naomi, Naomi. something. Naomi something uh, from <laughs> Maverick City. It's going to be awesome. I mean... Uh, Chris Estrada is going to be speaking. Uh, Chris Durso from New York is going to be speaking. I'm going to be speaking. We're going to, it's, it's going to be great. my favorite feature. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's a word of affirmation with a physical touch, all in one. Um, but we want to encourage you guys, before we finish this today, to take a minute and stand with us in partnership. Sow a seed. Has this ministry blessed you? Are you standing with us as we're touching this generation? And if it hasn't, still sow a seed. There it is, Naomi Rain. <laughs> she was with uh, with <laughs> Olga and Kevin in uh, Far Rockaway. Um, oh no, Donald Wagner was 37. Well, that's when I was in youth group. That's correct. Just always seemed more mature because of his knowledge of the word. He now pastors in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, we're getting a room. I can't get him to stop talking. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> We got to pick up kids at VBS. Um, so yes, we, we want to encourage you because we're, stop physically touching me. We're, we want to encourage you because as we're doing all that we're doing hey, now. you see this? hundred. put a ring on it. I can say what I want. Let's go. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, I can you should have put a ring on it. Um, 180 <laughs> nations, touching the world, feeding children, all that we're doing. Thank you for those of you that are standing with us. Yes. If you'd like to partner with us, miracleword.com. All the ways to give are there. Click the partner tab. Read about all that we're doing. Stand with us. By the way, once again, I want to say the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend is coming up in November. We're so excited to get with you guys and spend time, have a great meal. Uh, put it on your calendars now if you're a partner and you want to be a part of it, November the 13th. And then 12th is open to everybody. We would love you to come to Central Assembly of God in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, right there next to Allentown. It's going to be a night of revival. And then the next day for our partners, we're having lunch. Renaissance Hotel, Allentown, PA. Would love to have you there. Uh, it's the first one we've ever done. It's going to be awesome. Again, if you just logged on, uh, next week when we put the RSVP up, first 50 people that RSVP put their names in. When we're going to draw one and pay for your hotel uh, when you're coming to be with us. So we love you so much. Don't forget it's Wednesday. New kids, kids stuff out protection. Make sure you <laughs> make sure you get it for your kids. Everything we have for your kids is absolutely free. Get the app. If you don't have the app yet, which you should, it's miracle word. It's free. All of our content is on it. All of it. All of it. You can exclusively get exclusively our TV broadcasts. Yes. TV broadcasts, 24 seven preaching, Everything we've ever done for the kids is on there. So if you're just now starting, your kids can go back and watch it Binge through watch. the app. Get the free Bible study. Get them participating. We love you so much. I'll be back with you next Wednesday and Friday at 2. Oh, yeah. Day, got to catch a plane. Catch but I love plane. you. Ladies, I love you. I'll see a lot of you in uh, New York. I already have a lot of people writing. So, Oh, and tomorrow I just got asked to be on with Pastor 
Ron Dispenser for her live at 11 for Empowering Pastors Wives. So check that out. I'll share it. Make sure you log on. I love her so much. Your faith will never, ever be stifled or go low listening to Pastor Ron Dispenser. She's one of my favorites. Love you too, Bonnie. Love you, Janine. We love everybody. Thanks for praying with us. Hey, last thing. A lot of preaching, Last thing. A lot. Sign up to get text messages from me because I want to text you. It is me texting. And all you got to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Miracleword.com forward slash text. This right here is how you're going to find out about everything first. We've got Miracle Word, Victory Tribe merch coming out. It's coming to these people first. And you'll know about it and how to get it first. Aww, Sign up. Thanks, Olga. That means a lot. I appreciate that. We what love did Olga you. say? I didn't see it. I missed it. Um, that she watches me all Aww. the time. And we love Olga and me. Kevin. Guys, have a great day. We'll talk to you again very soon. He hates goodbyes, as you can tell. Hey, goodbyes. You're physically touching I'm going to love her of your prayers. It's all I want to be. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.